This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Good morning. Isn't this a beautiful day? <laughs> really, yes. Well, you've probably already figured out what we're talking about today. And uh, this is right there in the Bible. But I asked that question, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? And on a wall near the main entrance to the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, is a portrait with the following inscription. It says, James Butler Bonham. And there's no picture that exists of James Butler Bonham. And, but there's a portrait. And it says there, this portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, who is deceased now, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. So, you know, it wasn't really him, but there was a resemblance of him. No literal portrait of Jesus exists either. Did you know that? You know. But the likeness of the Son of God, who makes us free, can be seen in the lives of his true followers. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And all of us. Now, what percentage is all? 100%. 100%. And it's talking about each and every one of you who are a true believer, those watching online, those who are in the building. says, and all of us. Can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. Uh, hold on a second. Rightly reflecting. <laughs> I don't have a flashlight. I just have a mirror. Mirrors are pretty powerful, aren't they? I'm sorry, brother. You okay over there? Woohoo. Okay. You know what? Anyhow, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. I'm just going to put it right over here for right now. Should make sure it's not going to fall. This is what the scripture says. And remember what the mirror just now did. It was seriously reflecting some light on you, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And all of us can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. It says, and all of us can be. All of us can be. You may not, but you can be. All of us can be mirrors. We can be mirrors, brightly reflecting the glory of the Lord. We can be. But in order for this mirror to brightly reflect that light out there, it has to be clean. You ever get a mirror, a bathroom mirror, and it's got so much toothpaste on it and sprinkles and all that, and you've got to clean it every once in a while, right? Yes. So it can brightly reflect your face in there. But the scripture says... 
and all of us, you and me, we can be if we stay clean. Keep our hearts clean and our, our thoughts, our minds clean. We can brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us. And He, Holy Spirit, is working within us if we'll allow Him to. We become more and more like Him. More and more like Him because we're reflecting Him. And reflect His glory even more. So if we'll stay clean and let Holy Spirit work in our, our lives. And we'll resist temptations. And if we've made a mistake, we ask him to forgive us and cleanse us. In his word, do we hide in our heart that we're not sinned against him. Helps us to stay clean. That's what he tells us. And he talks about the washing of the water of the word. It cleanses us. It purifies us. He says, uh, we can stop right here. And you got the message. We can be mirrors. That brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. We can be. We confess our sins. We hide his word in our hearts. And we can reflect Jesus. And his reflection can transform this world in which we live. Genuinely. We really, really can. By current standards of success, Jesus might be considered a failure. Let's look at how Jesus measures up to these standards. Was Jesus popular? No. He was not well liked. In fact, after one of his sermons, all of his followers deserted him except for the 12 apostles. Did he have political power? No. He was a political failure. All levels of government first rejected him, and then they conspired to kill him. Did he have lots of friends? No. His friends often hurt him, eventually abandoning him, and one of them betrayed him to death. Did he have money and possessions? No, because he left all those things behind. No house, no wheels, no world headquarters, no Christian amusement park. Was he respected by his peers? No. His professional peers were Pharisees, and they rejected Jesus' work. Despite his apparent failure by these standards, Jesus Christ has changed the lives of millions of men and women and boys and girls across the centuries. But how could he in light of these failures? <laughs> I tell you what, Jesus is amazing. He genuinely is amazing. And uh, hopefully we get to understand that and, and know that a little bit better as we continue here today and experience him in our life in these amazing ways. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed our message? Question mark. Who has believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? Question mark. My servant. And he's referring to Christ. He's talking about Christ. Talking about the Messiah. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, sprouting from a root in dry and sterile ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Did you know that? There was nothing beautiful about the appearance of Christ. He, if 
someone and looked at him, they went and said, man, that's a good looking guy. There was nothing physically beautiful about his parents at all. He didn't have just a, a physical physique that attracted people to him. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised. Jesus was despised. And rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by. He was despised. He was considered the scum of the earth. And we did not care. And if the world doesn't hate us, well, it probably means that we're not very much like Jesus. Because of people who live in darkness, if you shine a light on them, they go, oh, turn that off. Get away from here, you know. So when we're like Jesus, the world's not going to be too fond of that, you know. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But Jesus was sinless. Never once did he sin against his Papa God. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was beaten that you and I might have peace. I mean, he was beaten, terribly beaten. If you ever watched the movie The Passion, and I challenge you to do so, it's a very biblical uh, rendition of what happened to Jesus for real when he was beaten. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. And you know, he was whipped 39 lashes he had on his body. Because every time they whipped somebody 40 times, they died. So they just backed off one so he wouldn't die. But he was beaten with the cat of nine tails, a leaded whip. It had nine pieces of leather dangling from this, this whip and had pieces of lead and, and broken, sharp pieces of broken bone uh, sewn into it. And then it was dipped in sheep's blood and then it was dipped into little shards of broken pottery, glass, and stuff like that. And then when they whipped Jesus after those leather thongs wrapped around him, they would pull it and it would just rip flesh off of his body. This is what Jesus went through. And he only went through that for one purpose. But it says that he was whipped and, and, and we, were, we were healed. We were healed. He, he paid for our salvation with the crucifixion and the resurrection, but he also paid for our healing. Have you ever received physical healing in your body? By his stripes, by the stripes he took, he paid for it. He says, we were, past tense, healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's paths to follow our own. You know what happens when a shepherd's sheep start getting away from him? Hey, brother. He, <laughs> he brings them back. You know, he brings them back to himself. When, because he's a shepherd. And his sheep stray away. Have you ever strayed away from Christ? Think about that. He's after us. He loves us. He cares about us. Genuinely. Could you read that? Mm-hmm. 
All of us, and that means 100% of us, all of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. We've left God's path to follow our own, to do our own thing, to do it in our own way. It's definitely not the best way, but that's why he's always trying to pull us back to himself. We've, we've left God's path to follow our own way. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. And Jesus welcomed the sins that was laid upon him. He's like, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll pay for that. And, and, and he did pay for that when he was beaten. And then when he was nailed to a cross, he paid for our sins. He had none of his own. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Jesus. Can you imagine the son of the living God was treated harshly and oppressed? Yet he never said a word. Never defended himself. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Never did he defend himself. He could have. But never did he fend them. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins? This is in Isaiah. This is prophesied. Old, Old Testament. It was prophesied that this would happen. And it says, but who among the people realized? Because Jesus was in disguise. He was disguised as a human being. Oh, we hear in the New Testament, we hear the Son of God, and then we hear him called the Son of Man. He was in disguise as a human being. And so many people did not then and do not recognize now that Jesus is the Son of the living God. You know, he's in disguise. It takes faith. Hebrews 11 tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you cannot receive this gift of forgiveness and pardon. You've got to believe. And Jesus is in disguise. And true faith will rise up within us. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins? That he was suffering their punishment? In Jesus we have the holiest man who ever lived. And yet it was the prostitutes, lepers, and thieves who adored him, and the religious who hated his guts. It's a profound irony that the Son of God visited this planet, and one of the chief complaints against him was that he was not religious enough. Can you imagine the complaint against Jesus? Well, he's not religious enough. He don't have enough of rules and regulations, you know. That's what religion is all about. He wrestled with justice that you might have rest. He wept and mourned that you might laugh and rejoice. He was betrayed that you might go free. He was apprehended that you might escape. He was condemned that you might be justified. And he was killed that you might live he wore a crown of thorns that you might wear a crown of glory and was nailed to the cross with his arms open wide to show with what freeness all his merit shall be bestowed 
on the soul, that means you, that means us, on the soul that comes to him, and how heartily he will receive you into his presence. Now, in Matthew chapter 26, this is right before Jesus was crucified, and it says here, verse 63, But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God that you tell us whether you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Can you imagine the high priest talking to the Son of the living God? You know, talking to the Savior of the world, talking to the creator of it all. And this high priest is saying, I demand you in the name of the living I demand you in the name of your Father that you tell us whether you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, yes, it is as you say. And in the future you will see me, the Son of Man, sitting at God's right hand in the place of power and coming back on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror, shouting blasphemy. Now, now that's noteworthy. The high priest, the physical high priest of the people, he tore, it says, he tore his his garments. Wow. The high priest tore his clothing to now, show his horror. To show his horror. But see, in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 6, and Leviticus 21, chapter 21, verse 10, it says, if the high priest tears his garments ever, especially out of rage or anger, he is disqualified from being a priest. It actually says he's supposed to be put to death, I think. But this high priest is looking into the face of our real high priest, who is Jesus. And he rips his clothes as Jesus Christ, the true high priest, radiates love and mercy and the physical Worldly high priest disqualifies himself as the true high priest has come to represent us and to forgive us. It's absolutely amazing when you think about how this all happened. And then he says, Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror, shouting, Blasphemy! Why do you, we need other witnesses? We have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Now here's the, the guy's just been disqualified from being a priest. And he's saying to all the religious people, hey, what is your verdict? Guilty. Exclamation mark. He's guilty. They shouted, he must die. Then they spit in Jesus's face and hit him with their fist. And some slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Messiah, who hit you that time? Isaiah 53 verse 9 says, He had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and fill him with grief. You know, God's ways, it says it's in his word, are higher than our ways. And Jesus was crushed that he might take your sins and my sins and pay for them and, and to make us a place in heaven for, throughout all of eternity 
people didn't understand it. Jesus was in disguise. And it takes faith even to this day for men, women, boys and girls to accept Jesus as who he really is. Jesus is in disguise and it takes a believing heart to really receive him. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and fill him with grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have a multitude of children. A multitude of children. Many heirs. The descendants he's talking about here. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's plan will prosper in his hands. The Lord's plan is going to flourish. The Lord's plan is going to thrive in his hand. You know, he, he planned to rescue you from sin and death and hell. Jesus came here for that reason to rescue you. But a lot of people, they're just busy with their secular life and Jesus is in disguise. It takes faith. To believe him and to trust him and to yield our lives to him and to receive his pardon, his forgiveness and all of his blessings that he wants to pour out upon us. Verse 11 says, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. This has not been in vain. He'll be satisfied. And because of what he has experienced, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. That we can be Counted righteous, right with God. Pardoned, cleansed, forgiven, and right with God because of what Jesus did for us. For he will bear all their sins. Well, what percentage of your sins what will Jesus bear? 100%. 100% of our sins Jesus will bear for us to pardon us and to forgive us, to bring transformation in our lives. Verse 12, I will give him the honors of one who is mighty and great. One who is almighty and great. How great thou art. How great thou art. He is mighty. He is the almighty. And he is great because he exposed himself to death. So the scripture says, for you. He exposed himself <clears throat> for you. He was counted among those who were sinners. He, he was disguised. He looked like a sinful man. He looked like just people, you know. He was disguised with your sin. He took your sins upon him as he hung upon that cross. He was disguised. He was camouflaged. He was sinless. Never committed a sin ever. He bore the sins of many and interceded for sinners. Had there been an insane, uh, insane asylum in the suburbs of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ would have been shut up <clears throat> in it at the outset of his public prayer, his public ministry, his public career. That interview with Satan on the pinnacle of the temple would have alone damned him. And everything that happened after that could confirm the diagnosis that he was insane. Why? Because he heard voices. Jesus heard his father speaking to him. And the, the enemy of our soul, the devil, was tempting him. And Jesus 
if he told that while well, he had been tempted to jump off of the, the top of the temple. You know, well, that's not right. But the devil tempted Jesus to jump off the top of it, the, the building, you know. And, and, and your father, if you're the son of God, he will <clears throat> send his angels and, and they'll keep you from hurting your foot on a stone. If there had been an insane asylum because he was in disguise, they would have locked him up, you know. And then Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus asked his disciples, he said, you're around here for all the people who's milling around. Who do they say I am? What are they saying about me? Now, he knew, Jesus knew what they were saying, but he wanted this to settle in to the hearts of his disciples and see what they said and how this impacts you and me. What, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Jesus was in disguise. In disguise. Well, he was a prophet, you know. Uh, he was one of the older prophets, has come back. He's this and he's that. He, he's in disguise he is, is a, as a human. Verse 15, then he asked them, who do you say I am? And, and that's what he's asking us, you and you. Guys who are watching online and those who are here, he's asking this question of us. Who, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And if you come to know Jesus as the Savior your savior of the world. You didn't figure that out by some class that you took a secular class. You didn't learn that by any human wisdom. If you know that Jesus Christ is the savior, your savior, the son of the living God, it's because Papa God has revealed that to you. It's the only way you can ever know Jesus. He is in disguise and Papa God reveals him to us by faith. Listen to what it says in John chapter 6 verse 44. For people can't come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. People can't come. Jesus says people cannot come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. So you, you, you cannot accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior unless God's been drawing you to Jesus. He's in disguise. And it takes faith in a man or woman to accept Jesus into their life and accept the pardon and the forgiveness and the transformation and the new life, the abundant life and all of its fullness. Papa God draws you to Jesus. It's not really your choice so much. You can reject him, but you can't do it on your own. Papa God's drawing us, and we can reject him. Or we can go, 
I believe he is. I believe he has paid for my sins. I believe he has written my name in the book of life. And you can experience this wonderful, fantastic transformation. And, and the word Christ, it means the anointed one. It means the Messiah. The anointed one who takes away the sins of the world and gives hope to the hopeless. The Messiah. The one who had been anointed to come to take away the sins of the world so we can live with God forever throughout all of eternity. That's the truth of it. And Papa, God draws you. He's one, if, if you've come to Christ and you're beginning to really believe that he was who he said he was, that's because our Father, your Father, our Papa God has drawn you to his Son who paid for your sins. And you believe him and you receive all that he has in store for you. The little girl that is a ballad sung by John Michael Montgomery tells the sad story of a little girl who hid behind the couch while her drug-addicted mother and alcoholic father continually fought. They never went to church or spoke of the Lord except in vain. The parents eventually died in a murder-suicide. The state placed the child in a foster home where she got kisses and hugs every day. The foster parents took the little girl to Sunday school where she saw a picture of Jesus hanging on a cross. With a smile, the girl pointed to the man in the picture. I don't know his name, the little girl said, but I know he got off of that cross because he was there in my old house. He held me close to his side as I hid behind our couch the night that my parents died. Who did that little girl say that he was? He's my shelter. I don't really know him, but he was my hiding place. So she said, he's my, my comfort. He's my savior, my, my deliverer, my provider. And she got to know him as truly savior and, and king because God revealed himself to this little girl. John 4, verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah will come. And, and we're talking about here the, the promised and the expected deliverer. And this is a woman who was at the well that Jesus was talking to. I know the Messiah will come. The one who is called Christ. When, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. He revealed himself to her. And the better you and I get to know Christ, the Messiah, the less defeated we will ever be. That's just the truth of it. Graffiti found <clears throat> on a wall of St. John's University. <clears throat> it said, Jesus said unto them, Who do you say that I am? And they replied, Now this is graffiti. You are the eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being, the kerygma in which we find the ultimate meaning of our interpersonal relationships. And Jesus said, what? Because <laughs> they didn't understand who he was. They didn't understand why he came. They had no faith in him whatsoever. A man who can read the New Testament and not see that Christ Jesus claims to be more than a man? 
and they can look all over the sky at high noon on a cloudless day and not see the sun. Jesus is in disguise and it takes faith to believe him and to trust him. If you, General Bertrand, do not perceive that Jesus Christ is God, well, very well, then I did wrong to make you a general. So said Napoleon Bonaparte to one of his generals. And Napoleon reprimanded his general for not believing that Christ was who he said he was. Alexander, Napoleon Bonaparte said, Alexander, you know, the great Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But on what did we rest? The creations of our genius upon force. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men and women would die for him, said Napoleon. Interesting. Mark 1 verse 21 says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And every Sabbath day he went into the synagogue and taught the people. He went to teach the people his word. And it came right out of his heart, fresh and alive. Because the teaching of God's word, it builds our faith. And we see Jesus has done this on numerous occasions where people's faith was not there. He began to teach them the word. And as you and I get into word, it builds our faith. So we can believe. They were amazed at his teaching for he taught as one who had real authority. Real authority. Quite unlike <clears throat> the teachers of religious law. A man possessed by an evil spirit was in the synagogue and he began shouting. Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. And see, this, this demon there was trying to take over the, the show. He was trying to attract attention to himself. Like he knew all that was going on around him. Jesus cut him short. Be silent. Come out of the man. At that, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion, but then left him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news of what he had done spread quickly through the entire area of Galilee. Charles Edward Jefferson characterized Jesus this way. There is something so pure, so honest, and frank and noble about him that to doubt his sincerity would be like doubting the brightness of the sun. In all, only about 50 days of Jesus' ministry are touched upon in all the combined Gospels. Jesus' term of ministry equaled three years or 1,080 days, which that's if you round it off to 360 days per year. That means that 0.46 or 46 hundredth of a percent or slightly less than half of 1% is the days of the days that Jesus was actively ministering are actually recorded in the gospel. So only a tiny fraction. <clears throat> That's right. John 20 verse 30 says, Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miraculous signs. Then you have read in your Bible. Jesus was not just limited to what you already reading about him. L listen to this again. 
Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miraculous signs because the, besides the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you might believe. So that you might believe. Because that's the way to receive him into your life. That's the way to, to receive the forgiveness and the guilt removed and to get your name written in the book of life. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing in him you will have life. Eternal life. John 21 verse 24 says, This, John was speaking of himself, is that disciple who saw these events and recorded them here. That, that was John who recorded these. And we all know that his account of these things is accurate. And I suppose... That if all the other things... All. Yes. If, if all the other things that Jesus did... Were written down, the whole world could not contain the books. If everything that Jesus has done... Uh, we know about three years. And we only really know about a little fraction of what he actually did that's been recorded there. But if everything that Jesus did, <clears throat> the world would not contain the books written. See, Jesus is awesome. He's amazing. He is the son of the living God. And it's an absolute shame. And it's a shame for those who miss out because he's in disguise as a human and people reject him. But he's the one. You see the picture of that mountain there? Jesus created the mountains and the trees and the streams and the fish in them. He created it all. And he came here to forgive us of our sins and to fill our life, an abundant life. And then we will spend eternity with him in heaven. But it takes faith to believe and to receive what he has for us. Let's read it one more time. And I suppose that if all the other things Jesus did were written down, the whole world could not contain the books. Imagine all the teachings and, and all the conversations and all the ministry and all the miracles that we've never heard about yet. But one day we shall. You know, there's a, a line in a song that I have used to, to pray for myself, but also to pray for others throughout the years. And the line simply says this, open my eyes to your wonders anew and capture my heart with your love. You know, it's a powerful prayer to pray that for our kids, for our family, for our neighbors. You know, open my eyes to your wonders anew and capture my heart with your love. You know, sometimes we get so busy and so sidetracked, you know, that we're not seeing the wonders of God like this, you know, surrounding us everywhere and in the people that we meet every day. But God will open our eyes to his wonders anew and capture our heart with his love. Absolutely. Well, what is God like? Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image, visible image. of the invisible God. Christ. He, he existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He exists before God made everything at all. And he is supreme. Jesus is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. Papa God created everything through Christ. Christ created it all. Everything. 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 
and he's in disguise to see do, do we accept him or do we reject him? Do we think that we pulled ourselves up our own bootstraps? Do we just reject him because we just don't believe? And he says here once again, verse 16. Christ is the one <coughs> through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. Everything. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Kingdoms, kings, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. Everything has been created through him and for him. The humble carpenter of Nazareth was also mighty, the mighty architect of the whole universe. That's who Christ is. A lot of people, well, he was just a teacher. He was a, no, he's the son of the living God. He created everything on this planet. Papa God gave him that chore to do. He is awesome and he is majestic and he is mighty and he can save you and he can heal you and he can provide whatever it is that you need and, and we will reflect him. And people will see Christ in you as you keep a heart clean. That's what he wants to do. He, he knows you by name. And he loves you. Genuinely, he does. He existed before everything else began. And he holds all creation together. And you and I are part of that creation. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. And he knows you. And he loves you. Colossians 1.14 says, God has purchased our freedom. Do you think he had enough money to purchase our freedom? It wasn't yeah. money. <laughs> so much more valuable than money. His very lifeblood. God has purchased our freedom with his blood. The blood of Christ. And has forgiven all our sins. What, what percentage is all? 100%. You know, sin would keep us out of heaven. And God purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, Jesus. And Jesus came here on purpose, not accidentally. The creator of it all, he came here to rescue you and me. Because he loves us. The creator of it all. But those who reject him, he's in disguise. Oh, he was just a man. He was just a teacher. He's just a, you know, a theologian. He, he, he's just a political kind of a guy. He was just, he was just human. But it takes faith <clears throat> to believe what God says about him. Jesus is God. Spelling himself out in a language that man cannot understand. They, oh, I was just a man. I don't have to know anything about him. I, I, I'll get to heaven on my own. No, you won't. The one who created that beautiful view over there and many thousands grander than that. He loves you personally. He knows your name and he offers you a close relationship. But it takes faith to believe him. You know, the bread of life never becomes stale. The light of the world knows no power failures. And the fountain of living water never becomes stagnant. To the artist, he is the one altogether lovely. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone. To the astronomer, he is the son of righteousness. To the baker, he is the living bread. To the banker, he is a hidden treasure. 
To the biologist, he is the life. To the carpenter, he is the sure foundation. To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the educator, he is the great teacher. To the farmer, he is the sower and lord of the harvest. To the florist, he is the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the horticulturist, he is the true vine. To the judge, he is the righteous judge. To the juror, he is the true witness. To the jeweler, he is the pearl of great price. To the editor, he is the good tidings of great joy. To the ophthalmologist, he is the light of the eyes. To the philosopher, he is the wisdom of God. To the printer, he is the true type. To the servant, he is the good master. To the student, he is the incarnate truth. To the toiler, he is the giver of rest. To the sinner, he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. To the Christian, he is the Son of the living God, the Savior, the Redeemer, and Lord. A man came back to work in a place from which he had been fired several months previously. His work was now superior, and a fellow worker remembered how inconsistent and how bad he had been in the past, and he asked, what happened to make such a difference in you? And the man told this story. When I was in college, I was part of a fraternity initiation committee, and we placed the new members in the middle of a long stretch of country road. And I was to drive my car at a great speed as fast as possible straight at them. The challenge for them was to stand firm until a signal was given to jump out of the way. It was a dark night and I had reached 100 miles an hour and I saw their looks of terror in the headlights. The signal was given and everyone jumped clear except one boy. I left college after that. I later married and I have two children. The look on that boy's face as I passed over him at 100 miles an hour has stayed in my mind all the time. I became hopelessly inconsistent and moody and finally became a problem drinker. My wife had to work to bring in the only income we had. I was drinking at home one morning when someone rang the doorbell. I opened to find myself facing a woman who seemed strangely familiar. She sat down in our living room and she told me she was the mother of the boy I had killed years, years later. She said that she had hated me and she had spent agonizing nights rehearsing ways to get revenge. I then listened as she told me of the love and the forgiveness that had come when she gave her heart to Christ. And she said, I have come to let you know that I forgive you and I want you to forgive me. And I looked into her eyes that morning and I saw deep in her eyes the permission to be the kind of a man I might have been had I never killed that boy. That forgiveness changed my whole life. Jesus 
is an awesome, a fantastic Savior. Absolutely. And Jesus can change the foulest sinner to the finest saint. All the armies that ever marched and all the navies that ever were built and all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has this one solitary life. The life of Jesus Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the son of the living God. John 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. And, and they weren't sure if he was really alive. They weren't sure if they believed or not. And Jesus says, hey, put your, your, put your finger here. Check this out. And see my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. 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 That's what it takes. He said to Thomas, believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. Hmm. I, I haven't seen Jesus physically. You know, there's a few people who've had some kind of an experience and they say they've seen him, but that's very, very few. But I've, I've never seen him, but I believe with all my heart. And, and he's saying, you know, blessed are those who haven't seen me and they believe anyway. And I think for the most part, that's about all of us. We haven't seen him physically. We weren't back there when he was walking on the earth. But we believe it and, and we're more blessed. We genuinely are. A young woman in England many years ago always wore a golden locket that she would not allow anyone to open or look into. And everyone thought there must be some romance connected with that locket and that in that locket must be the picture of the one she loved. The young woman died at an early age and after her death, the locket was opened. Everyone was wondering whose face would be found within. And in the locket was found simply a little slip of paper with these words written upon it. Whom having not seen, I love. Her Lord Jesus was the only lover she knew and the only lover she longed for. Hmm. Whom having not seen, I love him. And we see that it takes faith. It takes faith to believe in the Son of God. And, and Papa God draws us to him and we'll make our choice whether we believe in him or not. Acts 4 verse 12 says... There is salvation in no, no one, one else. else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. You know, Henry Benjamin Whipple said, All we want in Christ, we shall find in Christ. If we want little, we shall find little. If we want much, we shall find much. But if in utter helplessness we cast our all on Christ... He will be to us the whole treasury of God. Now, how much of Christ do you want? If we want a little of Christ, we'll have a little of him. If we want much of Christ, we'll find much of him. And I want as much of Christ as, as I can get 
and, and the remainder of 2022. I want all of him that he will give unto us and we can believe in and, and we can receive it. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. And she wanted much of Christ. And she sat at his feet and she soaked up every word that Jesus was saying to her while Martha was about all the affairs of the house. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner. Did I read this line? Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. There is really only one thing. How many things? One. one. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. And, and you're not concerned about the right thing. There's really... Only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered yes. it. Yes, have, have you discovered it? And I won't take it away from her. She sat at Jesus' feet. She clung to every word. She wanted as much of Jesus as she could have. And she did receive that. You know, there's an ancient Scottish legend that tells the story of a shepherd boy tending a few straggling sheep on the side of a mountain. And one day as he cared for his sheep, he saw at his feet a beautiful flower. One that was more beautiful than any he had ever seen in his life. And he knelt down upon his knees and he scooped the flower in his hands and he held it close to his eyes, drinking in its beauty. And as he held the flower close to his face, suddenly he heard a noise and he, he looked up before him and there he saw a great stone mountain opening up right before his eyes. And as the sun began to shine on the inside of the mountain, he saw the sparkling of the beautiful gems and precious metals that it contained. And with the flower in his hand, he walked inside. And laying the flower down, he began to gather all the gold and the silver and precious gems in his arms. And finally, with all that his arms could carry, he turned and he began to walk out of the great cavern. And suddenly a voice said to him, don't forget the best. Thinking that perhaps he had overlooked some choice piece of treasure, he turned around again and he picked up additional pieces of priceless treasure. And with his arms literally overflowing, he could hold nothing more with all this wealth. He turned to walk back out of the great mountainous vault. And again the voice said, don't forget the best. But by this time, his arms were filled and he walked on outside. And all of a sudden, the precious metals and the precious stones turned to dust in his arms. And he looked around in time to see the great mountain closing its doors again. And a third time, he heard the voice. And this time, the voice said, you forgot the best. 
for the beautiful flower is the key to the vault of the mountain. Who is Jesus to you? He's the best. He's the best part. He is a key to heaven. He is a key to forgiveness. He is a key to life and all of its fullness. Last verse we're going to look at here this morning is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And Jesus is speaking to Peter. This is in the Message Bible. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Can you imagine that you could have free access to God's kingdom? You could. Keys to open any and every door. You can have the keys to open any and every door in his kingdom. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. It was a mountain one-room schoolhouse where severe discipline was used to keep the rowdyism of uninterested pupils in check. The noon recess was ended and the teacher was interrogating the class with regard to the disappearance of Sally Jane's lunch. After a few minutes of verbal threats and demands, a sob was heard. It was little Billy. He was thin and unnourished. His family was the poorest of the poor. Did you take Sally Jane's lunch? Demanded the teacher. Yes, sir, mumbled Billy through his tears. I was so hungry. Nevertheless, you did wrong to steal and you must be punished, declared the teacher. And as the teacher removed the leather strap from its place on the wall... Billy was ordered to the front of the room and told to remove his shirt. The arm of the teacher was raised over the bent and trembling form of little Billy, skin and bones. Hold it, teacher! Shouted a husky voice from the rear of the room. It was Big Jim. Striding down the aisle, removing his shirt as he came. Let me take the weapon, he begged. The teacher was shocked, but knowing that justice must be demonstrated, he consented and he laid the belt to the back of Big Jim with such force that even the stronger boy winced and his eyes watered. But Billy never forgot the day that Big Jim took his place. The same way Jesus took our place. He took the beatings. He took the misunderstandings. He he took the slanders and the spit. He took the cross. He took in our, our place. He took our sins. Yes, he took our sins. In our place, he took it all. The Bible says he went to hell for three days. He died. He crossed over. And he said, all those who are waiting in the Messiah to come one day, who is believing, and led the captives out at that time. Now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
but he took our place. He took your place. Who is Jesus? He is the son of the living God. He was the anointed one who came to take our sins, to pay for them and to forgive us and to write our name in the book of life. That's who Jesus is. And he is worth our honor. He is worth us praising him and worshiping him and giving him all that we are and all that we have to live our lives for him. Who is Jesus to you? What I'd like to do is just to take a moment now and let's pray together. Let's reaffirm our faith in an awesome, awesome Savior. He is not in disguise as we look in his book. Papa God reveals to us who he is. And I'd ask you to reaffirm your faith or declare your faith for the first time, whether you're here in this building or whether you're watching online. Would you pray with us? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And I believe that your son Jesus. And I believe that your son Jesus. Came here with a purpose. Came here with a purpose. To give his life in place of mine. To give his life in place of mine. To take my punishment. To take my punishment. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I open my heart and I open my heart. And I receive Jesus. And I receive Jesus. As my Savior. As my Savior. My Lord. As my Lord. And as my King. And as my King. No longer is he disguised. No longer is he disguised. He is my Savior. He is my Savior. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I thankfully accept his work. And I thankfully accept his work. Of pardoning me. Of pardoning me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.